Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch. The skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolved. We're talking about real differentiators here, like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this, AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. 
As creators, we're always on the move. Whether it's a live podcast event, a pop-up shop, or a workshop, we're constantly interacting with community, and that's where Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe comes in. Imagine this. You're at a live event, a listener loves your merch, or a participant wants to sign up for your course on the spot. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, you can accept their payments right there and then, right from your iPhone so there's no extra hardware or no delays. Total game changer. It's not just for creators. Any business owner can do this. It's about making transactions smoother and much more personal, growing your business in your way. We've been using Stripe for our products and courses for a long time, and now with Tap to Pay on iPhone, you can take your business to the next level too. So visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone to learn more. Remember folks, with Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, your business is always at your fingertips. So it turns out when we do put ourselves at, at the edge of the water, uh, visually, our, our field of view is simplified. Uh, auditorily, uh, our world is simplified. Uh, your, your, you know, this, your sensory input um, gets simple. It doesn't completely turn off. It doesn't go away. But the patterns become more clear. Uh, when you get into the water, assuming that you want to be in the water, it's totally different if you get thrown into the water. That's, <laughs> that's more of a red mind experience. But Assuming that this is all taking place and you're, you're in control, uh, the waves are small, the water's warm, and you want to be there, uh, then you give, up to, you give up the gravity. So the hundreds of muscles that have been holding you in that position that you were standing in no longer need to do the work. And the brain regions that were taking care of that aspect of, of living on land uh, get a break. So auditorily, visually, somatically, you're getting a, a break, you're getting a rest. So what happens is you, you kind of go into uh, what's often referred to as the default mode or the default mode network is, is activated, which is, is a more um, contemplative, uh, self-referential uh, perspective. I'm Srini Rao, and this is the Unmistakable Creative Podcast, where you get a window into the stories and insights of the most innovative and creative minds who've started movements, built thriving businesses, written best-selling books, and created insanely interesting art. For more, check out our 500-episode archive at unmistakablecreative.com. Jay, welcome to the Unmistakable Creative. Thanks so much for taking the time to join us. My pleasure. Really looking forward to this chat. Yeah. So, you know, I have come across your work because I know of your book, uh, Blue Mind, which is all about the science of what the ocean does to us and what water does to us. And, you know, given who I am and, and what I'm all about, naturally, I was incredibly intrigued by all of this work. And coincidentally, right as, as this thought it was going through my mind, you know, we were making a list of guests we should have and, and your name was on our list and you tweeted something that I'd wrote. So it, it made really kind of a nice time to, to reach out to you. So I, I want to start with something that I think has been really interesting to to hear from different people. Um, and that is, what is it that you wanted to be when you grew up, when you were a kid, that ultimately led you down this trajectory? You know, I, I have a very unoriginal answer to that question. I, I wanted to be a marine biologist. Uh, <laughs> I, I like, like maybe half the world's population at some point in, in, their, in their lives. And, and specifically, I wanted, I wanted to be Jacques Cousteau's like, wingman. That was kind of what I, what I wanted. And, and again, I guess I joined a lot of people who dreamed of that. And, um, and that seemed ridiculous, especially, you know, I'm, I'm 48. So basically back then, 
uh, we didn't have all of the, this information available about, you know, how to become a marine biologist. So everybody around me basically said, you know, good luck with that. Uh, he's already got the job, mm-hmm. referring to Jacques, and, um, and not a lot of encouragement. So you kind of had to put your head down, as with many, you know, many dreams, and just keep plugging away at it. Uh, but yeah, I wanted to be a marine biologist, and it's simply because I loved uh, the way I felt when I was near, in, on, especially underwater. I just that felt like the best version of the young me, and I thought I want to feel that way all the time, even when I'm at work. And I figured marine biologist or maybe pro surfer would be <laughs> the two the two paths. So uh, I was very into science and math. And so marine biology seemed like the way to go. You know, it's interesting that you use the exact words, I want to feel this way all the time, because that was literally my thought the moment I caught a wave and stood up for the first time, the day I got out of the water on that beach in Brazil. Like that was the one thing that went through my mind so much so that I literally wrote those exact words in my book. Um, I'm, I'm really curious uh, why you think people miss moments uh, of, you know, realizing that, hey, this is a way I want to feel all the time uh, in their lives and, and why they can't find a way to connect that feeling to something they want to do with their lives often. You know, I think there are a lot of people who, who you know, take their dream, you know, in my case, to be a marine biologist. And then at some point, at some juncture, they start burying it and they start burying it pretty deep. And then they pop out at some point later and and maybe have the opportunity to unearth it, to start digging and find find that buried dream, uh, maybe wistfully. Uh, maybe they've made some money and they can actually really do it up. Um, but I meet people all the time who have, have taken that dream and buried it uh, real deep, uh, suffered some of the consequences of you know having buried their dream, and uh, and then start digging it up later in life. Um, I just I just decided I didn't want to do it that way. That I wanted to uh, live it, live my dream. As <laughs> it sounds so cliche, but um, and uh, you know I just tried to figure out how to do that. And, you know, you make, you make compromises, I suppose, uh, uh, financial compromises, um, among others, uh, to, to do, you know, what you're passionate about, um, or what you, you know, you dreamed of doing and to, to, you know, live, live in a way that doesn't really feel like it's ever a job or it's, you know, work that you're, you're strapped to. And, uh, at a young age, I just had that, that prioritized, uh, for whatever reason, maybe because I watched my dad, uh, in his work, he, you know, he had a, a desk job and he, he did it really well. He was, you know, first at his desk in the morning and last to leave at the end of the day, because that's the way he, he was, he was a hardworking guy. Um, and I just watched that and thought, hell no, no way. I'm, I'm not going to do that. And so, Early on, I guess that's a gift from my dad. Uh, I decided I'm I'm going to align um, my my dreams and my my work, um, and and make that work out. Uh, but you know, I, I don't know. I, everybody's got a different story. I, I, I'm not going to even try to explain why people bury their dreams or or they don't. Uh, I I can just tell you tell you my version of it. You know, it's interesting to hear you listen, 
to listen to you describe you know the experience of, of watching your dad and it's funny because i mean you could have that same experience and two people could have completely different reactions to it like one person could say hell no which you did and i think you and i share that in common my dad's a professor and i kind of looked at what i didn't want to be not that you know there's anything wrong with it but i just thought this is not the life that i want to lead um and and you know, I, I also saw a lot of people older than me that I just couldn't fathom spending my life doing what they're doing. You know, you look at movies like Office Space. I think each one of my friends in college kind of laughed it off when we saw it the first time, and we were like, "Okay," and they're like, "Yeah, but that's just life. We have to accept that." I think to me, the the reaction was much more visceral, thinking, "Oh my God, this is what we're headed for." <laughs> right? Yeah. No. That. I mean, yeah. It's fear. Fear and love are two big, big motivators. And you know, if you see something that really scares the heck out of you, uh, you you know, you'll move away from it. If you see something that you really love, you move towards it. And, um, and, and I think, uh, I, I fell in love with the ocean at a young age and said, I'm going to, I'm going to move strongly in that direction mm-hmm. and, uh, had, had a similar reaction, obviously to, you know, seeing different ways people work. Um, and some of those ways just scared me. So that sort of pushed me maybe further down the path of marine biology. Mm-hmm. So walk me through the, the journey from, you know, realizing as a kid that you wanted to be a marine biologist through sort of high school, early college, all of that stuff that ultimately leads to, to the work that you've done around Blue Mind and, and all of this. Like, how do you go from that early inkling to where you're at today? Yeah, so, you know, I guess I've, I've always known that you, the ocean being in water makes us feel good and from, a, from a personal experience. But um, meeting people like you throughout my life and throughout my career who have a similar story, like, wow, this is, this is awesome. This is where I want to be. I'm going to figure out how to do this more often. And as a marine biologist, we're, we're not really allowed to, to talk about that stuff. So I, you know, I went through, I guess you could say, you know, traditional education. I got my master's degree in environmental economics at Duke and then did a PhD uh, in wildlife ecology and evolutionary biology, studying sea turtles in Mexico. Um, and, you know, did publish tons of papers on biology, marine biology, animal migration, genetics, uh, conservation, and all along realized that there's this big missing piece, which is uh, our brain, the human brain, and this driver that drove me to want to be a marine biologist and many others to care uh, deeply about, about the ocean, including, you know, people who um, fisher, fishermen, fisherwomen, uh, people who hunt sea turtles, uh, people who do uh, whale watching for a living. Um, this this deeper drive to just connect with big big water uh, seemed so interesting and so important. And I uh, I'd always been fascinated by you know neuroscience as it sort of was growing uh, in the background. Um, and becoming more mainstream in terms of the writings and speaking about it. Uh, and one day I thought, well, there's got to be a, a book about this. There's a book about your brain on music. There's a book about your brain on food. There's a book, many, about your brain on happiness uh, and, and on and on. And, and many of the people you've spoken to on, on, your, on your show have, have uh, brought to bear neuroscience on the thing that they do. And I thought there's got to be a book out there about water in your brain because it's the single biggest feature of our planet. (laughs) 
uh, and our brain is the most complex thing in the universe. So somebody must have picked up on that and, and throw those through and, you know, written a book about those two things together. And I didn't find the book I was looking for. And, uh, I was very disappointed. I, I thought, well, maybe it's in German or maybe it's out of print <laughs> or maybe it's in Japanese. So I just kept searching and coming up short, uh, and then tried to get somebody else to write it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I fell short. And I remember a, a day that I actually pitched the idea to Oliver Sacks, and who's a, you know, a hero of mine, uh, the late great uh, neurologist, who's also a brilliant writer, amazing thinker, and loves the water. And he said, that's a good idea. You do it. <laughs> and I was like, oh, crap. Uh, Oliver Sacks said, you do it. And so game on, that was the deal. That was kind of the, the moment I was like, I'm, I'm going to do this and I'm going to have to learn a lot. I'm going to have to hang out with, uh, people other than marine biologists and surfers. And it took about five years and we, you know, we had an annual conference. We still have, have that conference called the blue mind summit. Mm. And, uh, those conferences basically became the building blocks and the raw material for, uh, building this conversation, and uh, you know, it's it's more than a book. Um, you know, actually, very few people, uh, even though the book's done well, very few people have actually read it. More people have engaged with the conversation uh, in in their own personal way, um, and so that's that's kind of the quick path from turtles, sea turtles, uh, <laughs> to uh, neuroscience. Um, and I'm not a neuroscientist. I'm a you know an an ecologist, and I have a background in uh, economics as well. And, uh, but I realized that neuropsychology could, could possibly help us, uh, address some of these big problems that, that the water parts of the planet are, are facing. Hmm. So <clears throat> we'll get really deep into the neuroscience of all this, cause I am so morbidly curious about all of it, but, um, I, you know, I want to ask you another question, uh, that is more sort of, uh, you know, abstract you mentioned that you had this desire to see this thing like you kept searching for this book only to discover that you were going to be the one that had to write it um and i think that all of us have something like that in our lives something that we want to see exist in the world i'm just curious you know if you were to guide somebody on how to find it what would you tell them you know i i think just just as you say, we all we all have that, and you and if if you were asked what is it, uh, you the first thing you think of is probably it. Um, I I think that uh, we we've all been you know turning an idea over and over and over in our heads for a long time, um, and not finding you know all the information, all the answers, and uh, if you ask someone what is that thing for you. Um, probably the next thing you should suggest is don't think too hard. Uh, just say whatever popped into your head just now, uh, and, you know, write that down. Um, and that, you know, it's, it's, uh, I asked my, my colleague scientists, what's the, what's the thing, you know, that you can't prove and just quick, tell me like some, you know, whether it's something with sea turtles or something with waves or, you know, something with your kids What's the thing you know that you can't prove? And maybe that's the thing that you, you might want to dig into uh, for your next big idea. Um, 
but it's yeah it's a, I, I think it's an int- really makes life really interesting to take those things and devote some time to them and start connecting the dots and if there isn't enough research uh find the research that sort of scatters around the dot that you're looking at and start connecting those the, those dots and you you get this web of really uh interesting uh insights and uh that's that's how that's how science works actually um it's how big ideas are formed uh they're not already preformed sitting there waiting they're 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 waiting for you to connect the dots and, and start building that you know that structure and scaffolding so um yeah i'd say you you know you've got it right there it's in uh, it's in the front of your mind just mm. get get it out uh don't be afraid i think that's probably maybe the best advice is I, i've been told at least seven times that what i was doing was career suicide uh, by people who um, I respected, uh, advisors and and professors and teachers and mentors, and so far it hasn't been. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and there's there's something something interesting there that you know you're you're told by people who who know a lot that what you're doing is a really bad idea, not just a bad idea, but a career wrecking mm-hmm. idea. And to have that not be the case um, many times over, uh, I, you know, I've been thinking about it a lot is it what, that feeling that I get when I know that, that the seemingly bad idea is in fact a good idea. Mm-hmm. You, you have to start to pay attention to that feeling. Uh, and then the reverse is true. You know, you may be, in fact, be absolutely delusional. <laughs> and, uh, it's, that's a possibility. And you should learn to figure out the difference. Uh, in, inside your own head, yeah. I appreciate that perspective, as as you can imagine, because I'm sure I've, I've been told on more than one occasion <laughs> that I was headed down the path of career suicide, <laughs> and even thought it myself. Yeah. Um, I guess you know the, the the bigger question you said you know we have to learn to recognize the difference, um, and I, I think you know anybody who's got uh, a reasonably like intelligent mind can pretty quickly figure out the difference. But I think the the real challenge in my mind, when you feel that what you're doing might be career suicide is dealing with the fear, um, and the very debilitating internal narrative that comes with it. And I'm curious, you know, despite, especially, you know, the, the, the narrative internally can become very debilitating when the external narrative is all, you know, reinforcing it. So I'm curious how you've overcome that. The fear. Yeah. That, um, I think in it, you know it's it's one thing to talk about this in hindsight, and it's a complete other thing <laughs> to talk talk about it, uh, you know, as you're entering into um, the unknown or the the new thing or the big wave, as the case may be. Um, I think we assign we assign courage as a you know in an observation after the fact, and usually you don't assign it to yourself. Usually, it's that's up to society or the people around you to, to say, wow, that was courageous. That was brave. Um, it doesn't feel like that, uh, when you're, when you're going in, uh, it, it, for me, at least it feels more, you know, um, like a very confident white knuckle ride, you know, I mean, if that those two things can go together, um, where, when you have a, a sense of something, and you can see that mental map and you can see the path towards that vision of what, whatever it is that you're imagining, uh, 
and it, and it starts to become more clear. And then you say, okay, uh, let's go, let's do it. Let's start to take the steps down this path and make adjustments. But you know, you, you have this idea of how it's going to look as it unfolds. And it's really exciting when it, when it in fact does. Um, but there's, you know, there's some holding your breath and some, um, some really, really scary moments. I, you know, I probably no surprise when the stress builds or the potential for stress builds. I, I just take it to the water. Um, that's, <laughs> that's my, that's my drug. That's my medicine. Yeah. Uh, whether it's just, you know, sitting on a bench uh, with my family watching the sunset or getting in the water or getting it, getting into a wave, uh, or just slipping underwater and, uh, holding my breath for as long as I can. Uh, that's, you know, that's my medicine. That's my, my little escape valve. And, um, you need to have that. I, I, I know a lot of people who have big ideas and then have big, ugly burnout experiences, uh, because they didn't have that, uh, that water, whatever the, you know, water would be in their lives. Um, so that's a big, that's a big important piece. If you're going to take on something truly new and, and edgy, uh, and, and go through that probably at least five year, uh, process, um, make sure you've got some water, <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, metaphorically and literally. You know, I think it's interesting that you, you mentioned that it's in at least a five-year process. And I, I've heard that idea reinforced so many times that, you know, I think it was James Altucher who said reinvention is a five-year process at a minimum. Like you, the first year you're kind of flailing. The second year, you know, there's some hope. The third year you start making money. The fourth year you have a career. The fifth year you have something sustainable. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, you know, five years uh, in, in, to 10 years. I yeah. mean, I, the big <laughs> projects that I've worked on that you know that I could finally take a step away from and say this this worked and it's not you know it's not going away even if I do uh that was about at about at 10 years and not that that's a magic number or anything but um it's uh it's it's a it's good to keep in mind because I think the you know, the grant, so in my world, the grant cycle, you're lucky if it's two years, mm -hmm. you know, if you get two years of funding, you're, you're lucky because lots of folks just get a year. Um, if it's, if you get more than two years of funding, you're, you know, you're, you're doing, doing high fives and jumping around, but, um, we're increasingly, uh, geared and, and expecting these short, short-term returns and these, these quick wins and, and, you know, uh, the, you know, the startup mindset, uh, is not necessarily thinking in terms of a decade. Mm -hmm. uh, a decade is, you know, in eternity in a lot of, uh, in a lot of fields. Yeah. Um, but it really is what, you know, you should expect that. And if, if it's a, it's a five year run, then, you know, good for you. Uh, but, you know, commit to 10 years, uh, on a big idea yeah. and expect it. Yeah. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. As creators, we're always on the move. Whether it's a live podcast event, a pop-up shop, or a workshop, we're constantly interacting with community. And that's where Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe comes in. Imagine this, you're at a live event, a listener loves your merch, or a participant wants to sign up for your course on the spot. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, you can accept their payments right there and then, right from your iPhone so there's no extra hardware or no delays. Total game changer. It's not just for creators. Any business owner can do this. It's about making transactions smoother and much more personal, growing your business in your way. We've been using Stripe for our products and courses for a long time, and now with Tap to Pay on iPhone, you can take your business to the next level too. So visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone to learn more. Remember folks, with Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, your business is always at your fingertips. All right, well, let's do this. Um, let's shift gears a little bit. And let's start getting into the neuroscience of why water has the impact on the brain that it does. What are the impacts on the brain? Um, what did you discover in your research? What surprised you yeah, about what you discovered? I mean, let's, let's do a deep dive into yeah. all of this. Well, I'd say the most surprising thing, uh, and I mentioned this earlier, is that this um, research hadn't been just completely on the top of everybody's agenda. <laughs> I was just, as a marine biologist and a water guy, I just thought, wow, this would be the coolest thing for any neuroscientist to study. And there must be literally thousands of people just jamming on this research. And the, not true. Um, there's you know, far more research on uh, your brain on music and your, your brain on food 
and you know, a variety of other aspects of our lives than there is on you know, the simplest thing being water. Um, so that kind of required um, you know, really searching out the little pockets of work that had been done, uh, and, which has increased over the past few years, and also connecting the dots and just taking a step back and saying, all right, what happens when we step up to the water? What is different? about stepping up to the water versus stepping out into, uh, onto a sidewalk or into a forest. Is there anything different? And unpacking that. And so it turns out when we do put ourselves at, at the edge of the water, uh, visually our, our field of view is simplified. Uh, auditorily, uh, our world is simplified. Uh, your, your, you know, the, your sensory input um, gets simple, it doesn't completely turn off, it doesn't go away, but the patterns become more clear. Uh, when you get into the water, assuming that you want to be in the water, it's totally different if you get thrown into the water. That's, <laughs> that's more of a red mind experience, but assuming that this is all taking place and you're, you're in control, uh, the waves are small, the water's warm, and you want to be there, uh, then you give up, to, you give up the gravity. So the hundreds of muscles that have been holding you in that position that you were standing in no longer need to do the work. And the brain regions that were taking care of that aspect of, of living on land uh, get a break. So auditorily, visually, somatically, you're getting a, a break. You're getting a rest. So what happens is you, you kind of go into uh, – what's often referred to as the default mode or the default mode network is, is activated, which is, is a more um, contemplative, uh, self-referential uh, perspective. And your brain doesn't just shut down because uh, you don't have this, this auditory and, and, and complex visual input. It starts to go to work on, on some other things. So you, you have this, this different feeling uh, that I call blue mind. And it's, you know, a mildly meditative sense of, um, being more connected to yourself, more connected to your environment, uh, more connected to the people around you. If you happen to be, uh, with a loved one or a friend and it's different than, than stepping out in onto the sidewalk or, um, sitting here in this room that I'm in, or, um, even taking a walk in the forest. And, uh, so there, you know, there's, there's um, a lot in that that just sounds so simple and so obvious, but there's a lot in that. That that mindset, that you know, default mode, uh, opens us up to a whole big toolbox of of cognitive, emotional, psychological, and and social skills that are not always available to us in our, in our red mind mode where we're just rushing around, where we're processing lots of visual information, uh, where we're taking in and filtering lots of sound. Uh, and it's, it's worth, worth considering that as a, a, a piece of uh, how we live. Um, and I guess I would say reminding ourselves, to, you know, to, to take that time and, uh, and break away and find, find your water, uh, whatever it may be. And it's, you know, for me, it's the Pacific ocean two blocks away. 
Um, for some people, it's it's their bathtub. Uh, for some people, it's it's the pond or the the lake or the river uh, in their in in their town. Um, and so that's the you know the, that's kind of the, the the broadest brush, I guess you could say. Uh, but when you get down into it, there are all kinds of really incredible applications. So for for people who are say extremely stressed out, uh, suffering from post traumatic stress. Um, water can be uh, among the best uh, therapies available um, for for people who are extremely distracted and just kind of can't uh, really settle down and get get think, thinking about some, something that needs their attention. Uh, just taking themselves to the edge of the water can open up you know the creative process. And artists and musicians have known this for a long time, uh, as have entrepreneurs. And scientists, um, and it, you know, it, it really is a simple idea. But uh, you know, hopefully, conversations like this one can nudge us back uh, to making space, you know, in our in our lives for uh, a little bit more blue mind time. Yeah. So many questions, as you might imagine. <laughs> yeah. um, so you know, I, I love that you brought up. Um, the idea that, you know, this idea of water is accessible to anybody, because I was thinking about this, you know, like at the moment, I'm not, you know, at the stone's throw away from the water. So I have to pick my surfing days very carefully. And, and you know, in the midst of writing a book, ironically, uh, organized in surf metaphors, I didn't get as much surfing in as I thought I would. Um, but I think the the idea that, you know, it's accessible to us through something as simple as a shower is really interesting to me because, you know, often a lot of the ideas that I write about occur in the shower, and that's not an uncommon occurrence. Um, you know, one of the things I'm, I'm really just curious about is why we have the, the feeling that we do when we come out of the water. Um, and I'm curious, you know, that feeling that I get coming out of the water, can anybody experience that regardless of whatever the body of water is? Like, what is happening to my brain um, like neurologically when I've gotten out of the water after a surf session where I've caught a lot of waves. So, in, you know, that, that's a great, great example, surfing. So if you take surfing and you, you rip it apart, part of it is, is exercise, just plain and simple. So you, you know, you could, you could exercise your body in a, in a similar way, uh, without the waves, without the ocean. So, and there's, there's a ton of research on, um, you know, exercise being really good, obviously for your body, but also for your brain, right? For for helping you to regulate stress, uh, help helping your your brain to just be a better brain, and to reduce the you know the, the harmful chemicals and to boost the good ones, the feel good chemicals. So you get this endorphin high from exercise of any kind that you know your brain is full of, of this these feel good chemicals at the end of a workout. So when you're getting out of the water after a surf session, you've got that along with all these other aspects of uh, being near in on and, and under the water. So you add to that the, you know, the sound, the, the rhythmic sound of the ocean, which puts you in, in, a, in kind of a, a syn- synchrony or um, in, the, in that sort of, you know, scientists even call it a groove uh, there's a, some really cool research that's come out about rhythm in the brain. And it turns out that it, it, your, your synchrony with the rhythm occurs subconsciously. So even without trying, even without really being a musician, you get into the, the groove 
with whatever the rhythm is just by being in, in the presence of those sound waves. So a similar thing happens when you're on, on the ocean. So you're out there getting into a, a groove with the ocean. Uh, you're, you're exercising. And you're having this, this set of experiences that are um, accumulated, and, and I call it blue mind. So you know, we can kind of go deeper and deeper into the, the, uh, the various levels, the various physiologies of, of that experience from the, the salt water uh, you know, to the, the taste of the ocean you know, in your mouth, um, that feeling of you know, having it actually <laughs> just pour out of your sinuses, uh, as the case may be, as you're, you're emerging from the water. Um, but it's all of that combined, which is, is uh, really unique. I, I think it, it kind of brings up um, a couple of topics that are getting a lot of attention, at least in, in the surf world these days. The, uh, the, you know, the wave pools, the artificial waves, uh, and the virtual reality waves. Um, and are those going to be somehow a replacement or a supplement to uh, going out into a, a real ocean mm-hmm. and, and real waves? And I, th- and I think when you understand a little bit about the neuropsychology aspects of, of surfing, um, you, you kind of will, will kind of un- understand that um, a wave pool is not going – wave pool is not going to replace – um, that oceanic experience, a, a virtual reality um, wave is not going to replace a, a, even a little real wave. Uh, I'll take 15 seconds of real ocean over a virtual ocean any day. Uh, and that's because there, there are this immersive sensory experience uh, that you're, you have that you, you're not really going to have. Uh, even in a wave pool, which is real water, it's a real wave, uh, but it's um, sanitized in a sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so you know, psychologists refer to this this um, sense of soft fascination, which uh, we get when we're we're on a surfboard or, or sitting on the beach, which is a um, it holds your attention, but it doesn't dominate your attention. And so the, the ocean is changing. Uh, it's, it's sending different little packets of information at you. There may be a fin. There may be a bird. Uh, the breeze may pick up. It holds your interest. But at the same time, uh, it isn't a massive amount of, of information that's distracting. So you, you get to en- enter into this, this blue mind mode or this, uh, you know, this mildly meditative state. So, you know, the other thing that I think often, at least I've experienced, um, is that we come out and we find flow and that flow seems to me to carry into all of my other work. Uh, you know, if I, if I write after a surf session, the writing, the entire experience of writing is completely different than writing on any normal day. Like I can just sit down, open up a notebook and I can probably write for an hour or two and I don't even have to think like it just, you know, literally flows. Um, I'm curious how we might bring the sense of flow into our lives if we're not surfers or people who are, you know, uh, able to easily immerse ourselves in the ocean. Yeah. It's interesting that, you know, the, just the concept of flow is, is a water metaphor, mm-hmm. uh, that we're, you know, and, and, and any conversations about, 
uh, creativity and and flow are just really full of uh, water metaphors. And uh, you know, as a writer and as a thinker, you know that it's it's they're they're unavoidable. You just you end up uh, tripping over them all the time. <laughs> and there's a there's a reason you know for that. It's you know, and, and I think it's because we have this this deep fundamental uh, evolutionary connection to water. It's, you know, it's, it's the matrix of life. It's most of our bodies. Um, if you don't have water, uh, you're going to be dead within a week. And so it makes sense that we would, we would find, um, the right spot relative to water to be both beautiful and satisfying, uh, and allow us to, to, you know, maybe our guard to drop a bit. Um, and that's kind of what, you know, what, what flow is about is that, that, um, you know, kind of relaxing into what you know well and letting the creativity happen, um, you know, breaking down all of the barriers and all of the reasons to not doing something or not um, improvising on something that you know so well. And, you know, water, you know, literally and metaphorically allows us to do that and allows you to move in all different directions uh, it, it takes away, you know, this, this, um, relentless, um, field of gravity that's, that's, you know, dragging us down, making us feel heavy. Uh, where we're in the water, we, we get relief from that. Um, if we have, you know, physical, um, injuries and, and, and barriers in the water, those go away. If we're clumsy on land, uh, in water, we're less so. And, you know, and that, that works literally and metaphorically. Um, so, you know, everybody's got their, their, their different answer to that question. And it, you know, it's clearly, it's not surfing for everyone. Um, but getting into a pool, you know, down the street and having a conversation there with someone that you, you know, were planning maybe to have a, um, an indoor conversation with, um, getting, getting out to the edge of a river that runs through your city and holding a meeting there instead of in a cubicle, uh, or, you know, instead of in a busy cafe, um, sitting out by a, an urban fountain, I find, uh, urban fountains to be really, um, underutilized sources of, of creative conversations. Uh, something really cool about, about an, you know, urban fountain is when you sit on the bench near it, you're kind of in a, a privacy bubble with the person that you're with. And somebody literally eight feet away often cannot hear your conversation because of the sound of the water. So in this world of, of decreasing privacy and uh, lack of solitude, just sitting by a, a fountain in the middle of a city uh, can afford you just that, that sense of um, intimacy in conversation, uh, whether it's with a, a loved one or a coworker. Um, and that intimacy, that connection allows us to open up into a whole, whole new kind of interaction, uh, maybe, you know, a better quality, uh, conversation. So, you know, there, there is this kind of an endless list of, of possible tools and applications, uh, to, to this, this broad idea of bringing more water into your life. Uh, and it doesn't require a tropical vacation and doesn't always require surfboard. Hmm. Certainly. It's funny. I think I'm going to take every date I have going forward to a fountain after hearing this. <laughs> yeah, do it. Do it and then let me know how it goes. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely will. Um, 
Well, let's do this. Uh, I, I want to ask a few questions that uh, I normally haven't asked, but I've started doing interviews. Um, what are what is one book, uh, piece of art, music, documentary, or film that has profoundly influenced your life um, that you would want to share with our audience? Uh, well, the first thing that popped into my head, um, and probably because you said book first, but uh, and I, I love books, is uh, this little novella called The River Swimmer. It was written by uh, Jim Harrison, um, a great writer who passed away this past year. Um, I love that little book. And if anybody is listening to this conversation and this theme of water uh, is you, you know, if, if it feels like we're talking about you, you will, you will love that, that book. It's called The River Swimmer um, by Jim Harrison. And it's just a beautiful, stunning little novella, one of his last um, of his career. Uh, I highly recommend it. It's one of those reads that you, you know, you can, you will read it in one night because you won't want to stop. Um, and, uh, you know, that's, yeah, that, that's the first thing that popped into my head. It was just, uh, the river swimmer. So in the spirit of beginning research for my next book, this is another thing that I haven't asked a lot of people, but, um, what are your daily habits and routines like? Um, what is a typical day in your life like? You know, I, I don't have uh, a typical day. I think it's, and that's um, maybe by design, maybe uh, every day is kind of different. Um, it's the things that are, are, are similar day to day, you know, waking up, getting the kids out the door to school, but every day is really different. And I, and I, and I, I love that. Uh, some people would find that um, really distracting or really difficult, but I, I, I love that every every day is an adventure, and every um, there's not a, not a real clear pattern. You know, of course, when you're writing, you need to block out writing time. But even writing, I I, I do it everywhere and anywhere that it comes to me. Uh, you know, whether it's on on an airplane or or you know, sitting sit late at night uh, in the middle of the night, and you know, I'll get up and write. Um, and, uh, there's a, you know, a real, um, lack of balance, I guess you could say, uh, to that, that approach. Um, so I, I prefer creative disequilibrium as a, as a concept, uh, which again, it sort of ties back to the water theme. Um, you know, the, the waves right out here that I'm, I'm looking at right now are, are not really balanced. They're, you know, they're, there it's 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 crazy it's a it's a you know crazy motion of water molecules and in wind um and it's always different you know all the waves are they're always different all the little wavelets are different and so um i've never been able to achieve balance or really uh find a a pattern or a schedule uh, (laughs) in in my life uh and it, it maybe drives my my spouse and um, coworkers a little crazy, but uh, I'm, I'm all about creative disequilibrium. So um, I don't know if that even answered your, yeah, your question. It definitely does. <laughs> so I have one last question for you, which is how we finish all our interviews at the Unmistakable Creative. What do you think it is that makes somebody or something unmistakable? Unmistakable. You know, I think it's, 
a question of, of it paying attention. Uh, I think, uh, if you pay attention, every, everything and, and everyone is unmistakable. Um, I think if, if one pays attention to what's going on around them, uh, they become unmistakable. Uh, the insights that you may have, um, you know, that date that you're going to have, um, next to the fountain, uh, <laughs> by paying attention to the person you're with and the water around you, um, you become unmistakable and it, as do they. Uh, and so I, th- I think that's, it's, it's a t- about attention, um, about, you know, focusing our attention and, um, you know, harnessing it and, um, going, you know, going there. And, and, and that's, uh, something that's, that's less and less common, I guess that, you know, the attention span is, is shorter or the ability to, you know, slow down and, and really pay attention, really hear, really see. Um, but I think that's what makes, makes anything, any, any moment or any, any person, uh, or any place unmistakable is just, a a focused attention. Hmm. Well, this has been really cool. Um, I am really, really thrilled that we got a chance to connect and, uh, I really, really appreciate you taking the time to join us and, uh, share your story and your insights with our listeners. My pleasure. And, uh, yeah, I really, uh, hope you, uh, get in the water as much as possible while you're getting through this writing process and, <laughs> and uh, look forward to reading about all, all of that uh, soon from, from your, your book. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. And for everybody listening, we will wrap the show with that. Thank you for listening to this episode of the unmistakable creative podcast. While you were listening, were there any moments you found fascinating, inspiring, instructive, maybe even heartwarming? Can you think of anyone, a friend or a family member who would appreciate this moment? If so, take a second and share today's episode with that one person because good ideas and messages are meant to be shared. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.
Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch, the skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolved. We're talking about real differentiators here, like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this, AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy.